Hi, everyone. And here we go, motivating you to live more creatively. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to your podcasts. That's right. I know people that want to think more creatively will benefit from our weekly shows. Um, what are we discussing today, Angie? Well, today we're going to be speaking with Gabriella Abacassis. I love saying her name. It's so pretty. She helps artists market and sell their work. That's going to be uh, really interesting <laughs> because that's something that every creative person thinks about every single oh, day yes, and probably yes. a lot of times during the day. How am I going to sell all this creative art I've created? Right. Exactly. Now, how about that quote for this week? Okay, this is really a, a wonderful quote, and it is, learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them yourself. Oh, I like that. Who, who said that? Eleanor Roosevelt. And you know what, Rod? This totally reminds me of a story you told me of when I think you were a teenager and you had a job, and I think you were working at a gas station, and your boss turned to you and said, I wish I could impart all of my knowledge, all my successes, all my, um, you know, I don't want to say failures, but, you know, maybe things that had, didn't go so well in their lives. And I, and he wanted to impart them onto you. And I thought that was such a, a cool thing to say. And this quote really reminded me of that. Well, you know, you have that almost 100% right with the exception of one thing. What's that? I was actually working in a grocery store at the oh, time. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. One of your illustrious jobs, <laughs> many illustrious jobs growing up. Hey, I love it. It helped me get through my, I teen, love it. my teen years. Um, yeah, it was, his name was Mr. Smith. And I remember that vividly to this very day. Uh, we were both down kind of on our knees using a grist pencil and putting prices on probably can of peas or something. We're sticking yeah. it on the shelf. And I remember he stopped for a second and he got very kind of meditative and quiet. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he turned to me and he said, I wish Rod that I could just somehow transfer all the things I've learned, all mm -hmm. my experiences running a grocery store. And he was very knowledgeable. I mean, at the time, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure he'd been doing it for 30 years. Oh, long so time. he knew a lot. And I thought that was such a kind of an insightful, wonderful thing to tell a young lad. I, of course, did not want to tell him that I didn't see my future as running a grocery store, but it really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. It really made a huge impression because so often in our lives, we all think, oh, I wish I could just teach you everything I learned about this or that and save you a lot of trials and tribulations that people often have to go through trying to figure things out. Now, you could argue that learning through mistakes uh, t is a better is a better teacher. Some mm -hmm. people swear by that, but it still would be kind of nice if people could just say, "Look, here it is. I'm transferring it to you. You don't have to go through all this, and you can become ten times more successful than uh, I have been." Yeah. It, it was it was really a nice thing for him to say. It certainly made an impression uh, on me. Oh, I think so, and I and I really loved that he said that to you. That was a, a really a kind thing to say. Okay, well. I have a question for you. What is that? It's a tough one too. Uh -huh. And you better not know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> How many people do you think there are in this world? Oh, I actually know this. It's close to 7.9 billion people worldwide. 
Okay. How did you know that? <laughs> I have my ways. <laughs> well, here's my thought regarding okay. that. Uh-huh. If you do some simple math or you think about it, mm-hmm. that's a lot of people. Yeah. And if you could just find a thousand people from that huge audience that you could sell your art to, let's say every month or maybe even every two months or even three months, you would be a top selling artist. A thousand people really doesn't look like a lot of people when you consider that there's seven, would you say? Seven, close to 7.9 billion people. Well, you can see how that, uh, how that works out. It, it doesn't take a whole lot uh, for you to become a successful selling artist when you consider you can tap into that uh, a mass. So true, so true. And I've never really thought of it that way, actually, Rod. But the customer base in this world is really mammoth. And you only need to reach a few to become successful. Yeah, it's it's really, it, it sounds daunting, especially, yeah. you know, when you're trying to sell your art and you're going, oh man, how am I going to do it? Yeah, reach, uh, reaching the people, I guess. That's the thing. So Angie's and mine's best advice, if you want to sell anything that you create, it's real simple, actually. You just need to meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The more people you know, the greater opportunity you're going to have to sell your art. It just uh, mathematically makes sense. It does. It's really kind of a simple math equation, really. And fortunately, nowadays, social media allows you to build a major audience and get to know a lot of people in kind of a small space. Well, when you meet somebody... You know, we've all met people at a party or even a business meeting, you know, and even in our jobs. And then people will say, so what do you do for fun? Or what is your occupation if if it's just a casual meeting somewhere? And if you tell people you're artist, invariably people will ask, oh, well, what do you paint? And that gives you a great entree into telling people about you, your art, and a little bit about your lifestyle. Um, it's, it's really amazing how engaging that kind of conversation can be. You're so right, honey. I couldn't agree more. You know, we all get a little bit tired of promoting ourselves online, especially like on Instagram. But for some of us, it has allowed us to meet so many pretty amazing people. And we've been fortunate enough to have those people as guests on the Thought Row podcast. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. They're just really wonderful people. And um, I'm really thankful that we met them on Instagram so that we could share them with our audience on the podcast for Thought Row. Yeah, and I want to go back and mention just one other simple thing. It's really kind of simple, that math equation that we are sharing with you. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, nowadays, you have so many ways to build an audience with a computer and social media. And it's not just all about who you meet on the street, so to speak. True. But people that you can uh, meet even in social situation. So true. Well, this brings me to the guest we're going to be speaking with today. Oh, yeah. Her name is Gabriella Abacassis, and she helps artists market and sell their work online. Now, I don't know any creative person that's not going to benefit from hearing what she has to say. She's a a great guest and a great person. So true. 
Hi, Gabriella. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. Both Ron and I have been so excited and looking forward to chatting with you today. Hi, Gabriella. This is Rod. It's so good to have you with us today. And I want you to know how much we really enjoy watching your IGTV posts. They're very informative. And it looks to me like an awful lot of people gain from hearing those. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's well. Hi, hi, hi Jen. Hi. I'm I'm really uh, happy to be here and really grateful to be one of your guests. I feel really honored, and I really want to thank you for having me today and for being absolutely great people. And I hope that uh, more people get to know you soon and get to know what you do because that inspires me very oh, much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to give you our toughest, toughest <laughs> question right off the bat. And I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I suspect you've been studying this all week oh, long. Yeah. What did yeah. you have for breakfast, Gabriella? Well, well, well. So usually I, I do not bake. Um, but because we have been in lockdown for a few weeks, I, I did bake a little bit more. And last weekend, I made a brownie with uh, peanut mm. butter. Oh. So this has been, yes, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it was yummy. It sounds <laughs> so delicious. This has, this has been our breakfast for uh, yesterday, and, and this morning it's already over. There is no more brownie. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, so, but I, I know that, I, I guess that you guys have salty breakfast. Um, but we always have a sweet breakfast. Um, yeah, we don't typically we don't typically French. have if if it is it's jam and toast. I guess would be True. the sweetest part. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. So Angie's got a question for you. Well, first of all, we met you through social media and uh, had been yes. watching your IGTV and actually been on one of your IGTVs with an interview, which yes. was so cool, <laughs> and. We know that you have such a wonderful and charming on-camera presence that I'm sure everyone oh, enjoys watching. Thank you. You're so confident. Yes, and you're such a confident pre- presenter. How did you develop this style of interviewing? Well, thank you so much for the kind words. And also, um, I think the time we I had you on the IGTV program, it was absolutely wonderful. And so it's it's really interesting to see all the reactions to the IGTV and that um, I think everyone is really excited to uh, learn about other artists and what they do and um, getting also to know a little bit more the, the business aspect of their life. Um, so because because it's also part of the life of the followers of my Instagram account. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I, I think, I think that's, that's why, um, I can see the excitement, but I'm always very pleased, um, to see it. And so how I did, uh, how I developed the style of interviewing. So I was thinking about that. And I think that, um, well, it might not be easy to go that road for, uh, other people. But the thing which really allowed me to feel more confident is to stop hoping to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know I, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm very far from being mm-hmm. perfect. And that really helped in a way, not paying attention to being perfect, helped to be more confident and helped also to have friendly conversations uh, on IGTV. So it gives a kind of a, a nice vibe. As well, friendly. Life. You know, I love your answer. 
It's because everyone's so self-conscious about being perfect. And really, we want to get to know you. We don't care about perfect. Exactly. Something I really, I I really hope more people can, uh, can learn about themselves that no one is expecting no one to anyone to be perfect. Um, we're, we're just, it's just people, um, um, we're always looking forward to knowing who people are. And even if it's behind the screen, uh, it's always important to remember that this is people talking to people. And so, yeah, really the stopping to hope to be perfect is really, yeah. is really important. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. why did you decide to make the big move from France to London? Mm. So I'm, uh, thank you. That's a funny question. I'm always a bit um, not yeah embarrassed to answer that question because I feel like it's not a very feminist reason. No, yeah. Um, the reason I <laughs> I moved from France to London is that my partner uh, got a job in London, and so we moved to London in 2018. And then when I arrived to London, I found a new job here myself. Oh. Uh, but that was that was the main reason. And also, we both love to discover new cities and new countries. So we used to live in Amsterdam before London, and we are both French. So we, we like to travel oh, as excellent. well. So an adventure into yeah. London. Yeah. We love Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I miss Amsterdam very much. It's a wonderful city, that's for sure. (laughs) Now, when you are, when you move from France to England, to London, the food was Mm -hmm. very different. How was that for you? I discovered what what uh, fried food really was. <laughs> I like it when I moved to <laughs> when I moved to London. I used to think I knew what it was because my grandmother always um, cooks. Uh-huh. She makes fried fish yeah. a lot, uh, but it's not the same here. Is much more crispy, and I don't. I didn't know that could be possible, but more uh, oily as well. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and that's something I really love. You know, the, there is a lot of fried chicken, the, uh, fish and chips, so many fried mm, stuff sure. here. So this is this was the biggest change for me. All delicious. <laughs> yes, all, yeah, delicious. all delicious. Yes, so, <laughs> not a critic. So Gabriella. Um, as you kind of mentioned before, we understand that you've worked in art galleries. Tell us about that experience. Mm-hmm. So I worked in art galleries for five years. And the first art gallery I worked with uh, was in France, in Paris. And so I, when, I, when I arrived, I was studying art history at university mm-hmm. at the same time when I started working in an art gallery. And I wanted to get experience. And the first gallery I worked in, I, the, the, there was not really a gallery. Uh, there was a team and there was a director. And the director decided to leave the gallery. So I was left alone in the gallery. And so I, 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 I went from beginner to director in the space of a week. I was, that wasn't really my title, but it was the, the, the responsibilities I had then. And so that was my first experience and I really enjoyed mm. it. And that was absolutely amazing. Mm. And then I, um, so I stayed there for 
six months. Then I moved to Amsterdam, where I work in a in a very special gallery and um, where I have amazing uh, memories, um, which was called Hélène de Bruyne Project in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And there we try to um, sell performance art, which is a format which is really complicated to yes. sell. So, yes, so, so from, from very early on, I, I learned that you can sell any kind of art if you are um, being very clear about how you, how one can buy a, a, speci a specific uh, media and so that was my first approach to to yeah selling well i i had the, the approach to selling out from friends already but then that was really that reopened my mind um about selling out and then I kept, um, I, I, I had a project which came from this experience of working in, in the art gallery and I, um, extended the project of selling performance art to more artists. So that was also a really nice project, which was still related to the gallery, but half independent you know, as well. You, you've worked, um, you've worked at a lot of different galleries, um, in different yes. countries. Mm -hmm. You know, how would you? Yes. Out of the countries that you've worked in galleries, what would you say the big difference is between them? Mm -hmm. So, well, between France and the two other ones, France, there was no real um, team. So uh, that was a big difference. So it really is the evolution between the, the different galleries where I worked, where the difference, of, the difference between the teams and how much work we could delegate to other people in the gallery. Um, for example, if there could be uh, art technicians and or not, or if the galleries could hang the, the, the exhibition themselves. Um, and so that was the, the results in the exhibition hang were really different as well, um, based on if you, if you hang the show yourself or if you delegate it to an art technician. So, um, and in London, there was much more, um, there was an, an approach to exhibitions and to selling art, which was maybe a bit more uh, luxurious. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the shows were a bit more um, professional, while in Amsterdam and in Paris, mm -hmm. it was a bit more experimental and romantic and poetic. Interesting. Angie. Very interesting. Um, so yeah. why did you decide that working in a gallery wasn't for you anymore? So that was based on two different, um, two different categories. So there was one, the, the, the reason I decided I didn't want to work in art galleries, the main reason was that I started to understand what I wanted to bring to uh, the visual art industry. That was always a very big question mm -hmm. for me. So, um, and by having conversation with people who were visiting the gallery, I, um, I actually realized that mo the, mo the, the visitors who were coming to visit the gallery the most were artists who were trying to understand how the community of the gallery mm -hmm. works. And so that was, and at the same time, they, um, it was really difficult for them to enter the, the, the circle of the gallery because galleries already have uh, a lot of artists they're working with. So I, I, I understood the gap that there was kind of in the market, in the art market and in the visual art industry. But at the same time, artists are really trying their best 
to understand how to integrate the gallery, but yeah. at the mm-hmm. same time, there was no space for them. So sorry, I um, I wanted to bring what I could um, you, there you know, um, and to have artists. You know, a lot of way. books tell artists to hang out at galleries. Yeah, they, they tell you, know, you to do that. Hoping that somebody is going to start a conversation with them. Uh, and then all of a sudden they could end up in the gallery. But you, you've dealt with a lot of artists yeah. when you worked in these galleries. What is the one thing that you think they all had in common? They're, yeah, they're, they're, most artists I've talked with are so kind. And so I think the, yeah. the one thing they all had in common, yes, the one thing they all had in common is kindness. And um, definitely also reason I wanted to work with artists. Uh, because artists share so much of uh, the knowledge they have about life and the experience they have on life. And every single time I have a conversation with an artist, I end up being so inspired and um, feeling like I understand life a bit more and where where I want to be a bit more. So that, that was really uh, something I noticed when having all of these conversations with different artists and um the reason why I'm doing my oh, job. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing a very good job at it. Very good. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's so kind. when did you decide to develop your program to help creative people sell their art online? So uh, that's a funny story, actually. Um, good. I Make good. We're interested in funny stories. Ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in, uh, it was more than a year ago. My partner and I got engaged. And I was looking at places to learn how to organize a wedding. And I found this uh, bride's club. Mm. And I come in the bride club and I look at all of these women um, being part of this business, which was the club. And um, all of these women getting help uh, through the format of the club. And I, I realized that it was a great format and that what I liked uh, in my own field, in the art world, uh, was having a community that I could really uh, love and I, that I could really um, feel that I, I, I could fit mm-hmm. in. So um, the format of the club and the format of the membership, I, I really fell in love with it. And that, um, that's what inspired me to uh, create the Artist Entrepreneur Club. So, nice. <laughs> so if I if I would if I had if I hadn't uh, been if we hadn't got engaged, my partner and I probably I wouldn't have got the idea. Uh, oh, okay. To uh, create this community, two, two wonderful <laughs> yeah. things came out yeah, of that. Once, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Gabriella, what exactly is out of the cube? So, um, you know how that sometimes we call um, art galleries wet cubes. And I was really getting my way out of the galleries. So that's, that's how it became uh, out of the cube. And at the same time, it's, um, it's a game with, with the expression out of the box. Yes. And the, the idea is that I think that it's really important to start talking about money openly with mm. artists and about business as well without, uh, thinking that, um, Money is always bad. Actually, I believe the opposite, yeah, that exactly. money can be good and you can do uh, good things Absolutely. with it. And I think that there is a big, 
yeah, there is a big taboo about money in the art world, and um, which which make that artists feel really bad about it. Why they uh, actually, and I want to help them feel better about it and get more of so it. So they as don't well. feel like they're selling themselves out, right? Yes, exactly, and also that they will get money only if they are approved by other organizations in the art world. And uh, I think that can be very limiting when um, when actually there are not enough organizations to approve everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that even if someone thinks that uh, one's art practice is not good enough, it doesn't mean that uh, the art practice is not good. It just means that the person who saw that wasn't the right audience and that we have to find the people who uh, the artists are really helping with the art Well, there's course. one thing, so there's there one is- thing, Gabriella, we all know for sure. Artists need to eat. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, completely. Yes, just like every other human being. Yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so they, yeah, exactly. They need food. So, <laughs> right. And maybe fried food. Yeah, like yeah that. all the good so, fried food. Yeah. Um, Well, you mentioned earlier about the Artists Entrepreneur Club. Tell us about it a little more. So the Artists Entrepreneur Club is really, um, I don't want to sound, well, yes, I'm I'm really proud of what this is um, because of the people who are Mm -hmm. in it. And it's a group of amazing artists, artists, because their art practice is good, but also because they are amazing people and very supportive people. And uh, in the Artist Entrepreneur Club, everyone is supporting um, all of the other artists in the club with business mm-hmm. advice, with feedback, sharing their experience. And in addition, I try to bring my help as well by giving business training. And I also invite uh, business experts in the club so they can share their own expertise with the artists in the club and we can all learn about business. Oh, that's excellent. Um, this that's way. excellent. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you may have answered this already, but I, I want to ask this question. You've interviewed quite a few artists. You've talked to a lot of creative people. What would be your number one suggestion uh-huh. for these artists? For the interview, uh, for the artists I have interviewed or for the, for, the, for artists in all, general? All artists in general, because you've been exposed to a lot of artists yeah. where you're working in the galleries, yes. as well as which yes. you've, uh, people you've interviewed and people you've talked to on your IGTV. You've been exposed to a lot of artists and artists, for the most part, they all have different personalities. But wh- what would you say that you've learned? What um, What's one thing that stands out or the suggestion that you would have? One thing that stands out, I'm, I'm going to answer from a business point yeah. of view, um, is that um, the, the, the thing that stands really out when I talk business with an artist is when all of the, all of the marketing and all of the things that are uh, published and posted online are not only about themselves, but they are about the people they are going, they are trying to help. And that's, um, um, before they understand that they are, um, that all of this content is for the people they are trying mm-hmm. to help is that first they have to understand that when they are selling their artworks, they are just, they are not just trying to put their artworks in somebody's house 
and leave uh, and run away. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that. You're not just leaving your your artwork there. You uh, the artists are really helping people um, by selling them their artwork. So that's um, that's really one thing that stands out when the artists understand mm-hmm. how they help people and um, and how it translates into their marketing and into the way they present. I think that's a great mm-hmm. answer. That's a good answer. That's a good answer and a very insightful. Oh, and, and I must say, you would know because of your experience to date. Right on. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad it's helpful. <laughs> no, it is very helpful. Really? Well, my question is, what would you do to market your program and yourself as a brand if there were no social media? I absolutely love this question <laughs> because uh, I, um, I'm, I'm actually, when I was looking for, jo- for jobs in art galleries, I was really bad at applying online. Mm. And... Well, you could, you, you could actually get a job by having a good social media presence. I, I have personally hired uh, members of uh, my team through their social media mm-hmm. accounts. So that could mm-hmm. work. But at the time I didn't have that experience in social media and applying online by just sending a CV and an email wasn't working mm-hmm. for me. So what I used to do is to do is to go door to door in art galleries. And that's what I would do if there was no social media. I would definitely go talk to people and see them. Um, and because my audience is made of artists, I would go to um, studio. Okay. Definitely. Good, good. good answer, yeah. Gabrielle. Um, well, of course, of <laughs> course, there is social media. And what yes. what is your favorite thing about it? The, the favorite thing about it is, has been at the, at the moment I understood that it was about creating relationships and it was not just about showing who we are and posting things online. It's really about the connection between yes. people. And the first time I was told, well, well, when you are going to go online, you really need to build relationships. I thought, gosh, this is going to take a while because I know uh, relationships take a while to build. But it's not true. <laughs> this is not true. And if if anyone is listening and, uh, and thinking at the same time, that, sorry, um, that um, they uh, it's going to take a while to build a relationship, it goes quite fast to build um, strong relationships online. So that's my favorite thing mm-hmm. about it. And then, so what is your what is the number one mistake people make? when they're posting on social media? Well, that would be not showing themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, I'm, I'm really repeating no, that. No, no, that's, <laughs> that that's be, right. Uh, I, I wanted to make one comment on something you said on yeah. that last question. Yeah. It's been Inji's and my experience, and I suspect yours too. There's a, there's a lot of really mm-hmm. wonderful people in this yes. world. And it's interesting yeah. how... For some, I don't know the magic behind it, but it seems like we all seem to find these kinds of people. And and yeah, based on some sure. of their posts or how they respond to your post or how genuine they are. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while you run into somebody who's got kind of a big ego and it's all about them. Right. But, but, you know, you don't pay mm-hmm. too much attention to those people. But the other people out there are very generous with their thoughts and their kindnesses. Yeah, completely. Um, this is, it's, it's really true that we, we seem to find each other. And this is why it's also, 
it's also very reassuring to know that because so many people are afraid to meet bad people or to be uh, to to find rejection when they go online. But the truth is, only people who are your kind of mm-hmm. people are going to react at all at what you're saying. Otherwise, they will just um, pass and and go somewhere else. Um, so it you you when you are online, you are always building a bubble of people who are like mm-hmm. you and uh, who will like you mm-hmm. as well. So I, I really agree with you, and I'm always. I'm, I'm very, I have been very surprised by the amazing people I have met online and who I would have missed uh, otherwise. So true. If I wasn't online. So true. Now, uh, including, including uh, you guys. Uh, <laughs> we feel the same way about you because it's just like, uh, how would we meet normally in real life? We, it would be it would be very yeah. difficult. So this is really cool when yeah. you can use social media to connect with people that you probably would most, never ever connect. Most with. likely sitting in a cafe. Yeah, having a yeah. having a milky coffee. <laughs> right, and, and you you and yes. your significant other are sitting at a table next to us, and we start yeah. a conversation. Oh uh, yeah, and right. we quick and you quickly yeah. learn that neither Inchi nor I speak any French whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we um, we like to speak with so kind American people as well. And the, I mean, so many people have to be annoying you with that. But the fact that you live in Twin Peaks and we have, um, I mean, you're in Twin Peaks, California, and we are big fans of uh, the show Twin Peaks. So <laughs> we, we feel really close to you in that way as well. Well, that's very, very kind of you. Hey, so um, what have you learned personally that has helped you in developing your course when you've been interviewing these artists? I guess um, what has helped me personally um, it is really that uh, I, and I think it's an um, on, ongoing work as well, is to understand that we cannot know everything and that we can't do everything as well. So what what has really helped me developing um, my courses and my business and the interviews as well mm-hmm. is to delegate. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's mm-hmm. really to delegate um, as soon as soon as I can. I delegate a bit more. Um, I also learn to know a bit more about who I want to work with as well um, within my team or um, when it's working with artists as well, because it's important that uh, the personalities fit well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's uh, two things I learned. It's important to make sure uh, personalities uh, fit well when we work together. Okay. So I, you just mentioned that you like to delegate. Why don't you tell us what yes. a typical day for Gabriella, what's a typical day for Gabriella? Yeah. You seem very. You, I have to say, you seem because we see a lot of the effort that you put into mm-hmm. what you're doing, and there's a tremendous amount of effort that goes into it. We can understand the amount of uh, work and the challenges that you face. So, what is a typical day for Gabriella? So that's um, that's a question I'm asking myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, re- literally, because uh, I'm I'm really working on um, organizing my day in the way that I can do 
um, things I love every day because they are always in any business there are things you love and things which are slightly less exciting. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, very typical day in my life. So I wake up at um, 7 a.m. and then I um, have my breakfast, do a little bit of exercise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do meditate in the morning. That has become a habit as well because uh, that makes me happier. And then I, at the moment, I am separating my day between um, a moment w- which I really spend answering to all the emails, mm-hmm. uh, messages on social media. Um, and um, and the more you create relationship, uh, the more they are. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure right. you guys know as well. There is yeah, a lot of, it could become yeah. overwhelming sometimes. Sometimes it is, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting how social media can be- really become a second mailbox. And I didn't expect that, but that's how really it becomes. And um, so that's the, that's um, half of my mm-hmm. day. Um, and then the other half is, and in this part of the day, I also uh, include taking care of the Artist Entrepreneur Club mm-hmm. and making sure I haven't served every message in the, in the club and um, that all of the all of the work is um, done for the club as well. All of the training is prepared, mm-hmm. and the other part of my day is focused on uh, developing um, the artist entrepreneur club and out of the cube, and really thinking about the future and how we can grow into the next project. Do you ever sleep? Yeah. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I do. I do sleep. I wish I could sleep less. <laughs> There are so many things to do, but yeah, no, I, I do need my eight hours of sleep. And in the, in the evening, I try to, I try to read. Oh, good for you. Because that's a great source for my content as well. I have to be, but me, reading is really, um, really great source. Okay, so you told us about your day, which sounds really eventful, really hectic, and a lot of lot of things that you're doing. Like you're wearing a lot of different hats, but productive and super productive. Yes, yeah. Uh, Applause for that. Um, But what does your workspace look like when you like in your daily life? What's your workspace like? Um. So, uh, how would you say it is? How do you imagine it? Oh gosh. Well, we have to think that you have a computer <laughs> yes. and a cell phone right. and a mobile phone yeah. and maybe an <laughs> iPad. I do. And a light. I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you have, I you have, have a, a light. light. I have a light. A chair yeah. and a table. Yeah. yeah. It, there, there is all of this. Yes. But <laughs> I was I was thinking that, um, well, it might be obvious. I don't know. But my workspace is really messy. So um, I have maybe two notebooks. Um, my cup of coffee and my cup of tea and a glass of water and uh, my lights, which take a lot of place, which I don't like to remove all the time and, yeah. <laughs> and a screen. And yeah, so that's what it works like. And in the background, I uh, have nice artworks to look at and uh, at the, on, on the side as well. Oh, okay. So, Wonderful. So I'm always looking at these Wonderful. as well. Thank yeah. you. You know, I, I know this affects me. I know it affects Angie and I, it affects just about every single person that's creative. But on those mm-hmm. days that yeah. you don't feel motivated, how do you get yourself back on track? So one thing that I thought 
um, of early early on in the process is that I noticed that there was this kind of uh, feeling that was sometimes coming back of feeling demotivated or of feeling anxious or different things that can happen, different kind of feelings or, you know, um, imposter syndrome and things oh, like yeah. that. So, and I, I noticed that it was really coming back and that there was kind of a circle and that at the end I was feeling good again. So when that happens, I really try to remind myself that it's a, it's a temporary moment and that I'm going to get back uh, to my positive mind in a little mm-hmm. way. But I do uh, some of my, some things which really help uh, getting uh, quicker back to, to being positive is meditating and listening to uh, mindset coaches and um, also listening to people who are inspiring you and who are, who are, who you know have made you feel good in the past. So I try to listen to these people again because I know they they give me good, good that's advice. That's a great answer. That's a and, answer. And it's one that, that everybody that's listening to this should try to adopt. I think for the most part, people do. Yeah. It's certainly more fun yeah. to think positive than negatively. Um, but you've, mm-hmm. you really zeroed in on that. That's great. Right. Well, um, that's really helping, and uh, I am sure that you guys also. Um, well, when I'm listening to you, I feel really good. So you are also one of my uh, inspiration, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening to this podcast who are um, also having this podcast as a way to feel good as well. So that's really um, a really great thing that you're doing. The important well, thank, thank you for saying that. It's do. mutual, though. We thank we you. learn so much from talking to other people. Oh. We love when they share their stories right. mm-hmm. and speaking of shared stories right. we've heard that you love to sing what, is, what is your favorite music <laughs> I, that you enjoy so i i can't i can't choose one um the what i really love is deep voices and um so one of my favorite singers ever um well I, I could quote three of them. Um, so there is Edith Piaf. Do you, you guys oh, yes. know her, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so there is, uh, um, Amy Winehouse mm-hmm. and Ella Fitzgerald are three singers. I really, I really listen all the time. And any, any kind of deep voice, I could, I could actually quote other, uh, younger, uh, maybe, I mean, not younger, but, uh, alive mm-hmm. singers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, for example, I would recommend Joy Crooks, uh, who is an amazing. So every every deep voice, um, I am very sensible to them. So that's what I really enjoy. Right. And so, where do you like to sing the most? <laughs> so um, I, I can't at the moment. I like to sing if I'm alone. Mm-hmm. So if I'm alone at home, I would sing in my living room. But last time I uh, made the whole concert was in the bath. I have to be in honest. In the bath. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where you got good acoustics. <laughs> yeah, very the good sound acoustics. in there is excellent. <laughs> but I used to, uh, I used to, I mean, singing is a tra- is kind of a tradition in my family. We used to sing uh, at lunch over the, during the weekend, and we were really trained to compete. Ooh. 
uh, between like each it. other. <laughs> and, yeah. and we all think that we have the best voice. <laughs> and I'm always thinking, because I know that one of my uh, sister, one of my sisters and one brother didn't use to sing, actually. So now I'm really wondering what, what they were Ooh. doing <laughs> while we were all singing. <laughs> I don't know. That's so fun. I love that. So, Gabriella, yeah. <laughs> where do you see yourself in five years? Well, actually, closer to you. So, I, I think I will be, um, we, we are planning to uh, move to the U.S. Oh, cool. Uh, but we don't know, yeah, we don't know yeah. when, we don't know how yet. Um, but that's our next, our next place. And then I really hope that by then, um, the, the Artist Entrepreneur Club will have, um, will be a bit bigger. Oh, as sure. Well. I'm sure. sure. I'm so. sure. Well, it's worldwide. So you have, there's no shortage of audiences throughout the entire world. Right on. And we are, we are yeah. also much more connected now because of, uh, social media. So I guess the next question would be, is what do you want to be most remembered by? What do you want people to remember about so, Gabriella the most? Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult question because um, I guess you have to say uh, what's really um, deeply in your mind, and that uh, that's difficult to admit. But I guess uh, what I would like to be remembered by is that is for the idea that you can mix money, art, and still be a good person. Oh, I like that. Oh, good answer. And it's okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, just if I can help more people with that. that would that's be a good one. That's a great right. one, actually. That's quite good. Now, I, I've been right. asking a question now for, I don't know, a couple of episodes, and I'm always interested uh -huh. in the answer that people give. And so this is the question, Gabriella. If you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? So I had prepared another answer, but I just thought of the real person I would really like to sit uh -huh. with and chat, um, who would be Jane Austen, the author um, of uh, Pride and Prejudice, Emma. And do you know the movie? Pride yes, and so Jane Austen, with, Jane Austen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, Austen, yeah. yeah so I, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of um, historical movies. I'm not the biggest fan, but I'm 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 really into them. And so, <laughs> um, well, you could talk. So I would I would you love. You could talk her into yeah. becoming a member of your entrepreneurs club. Truth. <laughs> oh yes. Um, well, she would be. She would be <laughs> most most welcome. <laughs> um. I guess we're at the point where we kind of wind this down. Gabriella, you've shared a lot of information today. And I know Angie and I, and I know our listeners are going to really enjoy all of your thoughts and your ideas and your insights. You're a lovely person. And we're so thankful mm -hmm. that we had the oh, opportunity to chat with you. Uh, well, I just wanted to thank you so much because uh, that's really an honor to be on your podcast. And um, I, I think you've started it now a few weeks or months ago. And I really hope that it keeps uh, getting more and more interest because it's really an exciting one. And I really love how uh, inclusive this is. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, 
also you uh, reaching You're very, for very Thank kind. You're very kind of you to say that. And also for everyone out there, yes. just letting you know, if you want to know more about Gabriella Abacassis and her programs, we will have the links in the show notes. Uh, and also under the show guest tab on the thoughtrowpodcast.com website. So everyone can listen and, and visit Gabriella's website and learn more about her and connect with her on social media. Yeah, and if you're on Instagram, be sure and watch yes, and listen and to her, her IGTV yeah. uh, programs. They're well worth yeah. it. And I also want to say, while you're there, follow her. Yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you all so right much. well thank you and i guess it's it's thank you okay. Take care. Oh, okay. it's bye for now bye i'm really glad you tuned in today we hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you we post a new podcast every week so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode so it's bye for now from my husband rod and i wishing everyone a great day